Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Wednesday evening message. Today's sermon is part three of Alter Ego by lead pastor Rex Johnson. We are, we're in our third week of the message series called Alter Ego. We're going to speak on Alter Ego here tonight and we're going to talk about the right to be offended. Now, You might notice that the word altar is spelled A-L-T-A-R, not A-L-T-E-R. And it's for the purpose of this series, it represents our altar, an altar of sacrifice, a place where people lay things down. Alter ego, A-L-T-E-R, of course, is what we think about ourselves. It's our belief system about ourselves. Unfortunately, many of us have a very inaccurate view of who we're supposed to be, and so We're going to lay down at the altar, A-L-T-A-R, our sacrifice, who we think we are so we can become who God says we are. Amen? So let's review for the last couple of weeks. If you're taking notes, we're doing, what we're doing is laying down different parts of our ego. In the first week, we laid down our feelings of inadequacy so we could become what God says we are. Say amen to that. Last week, Mitch did a masterful job. We laid down our need for control. Some people really love to be in control. And it's men and women and it's children also. We need to lay that down at the altar. Tonight, we're going to talk about laying down our right to be offended. Amen. Because so many of us are so easily offended. I've already offended somebody right there by saying that. And then next week, perhaps, will be the most helpful, and we're going to conclude the series next week. We're going to lay down our longing for approval. Everybody say approval. Because so many of us are consumed with living for that, what other people think, and then we forget about living for what God thinks. So today, we're going to talk about laying down our right to be offended. And I have to tell you, quite honestly, that I come from a family that could get offended rather easily. I've got cousins I've got cousins that could get offended right now, and they want to whoop you all the way back to West Texas. The Bible says offenses will come. Woe to those that bring them. Sometimes the smallest and most insignificant things can offend great people, and maybe some of you can relate. For example, one of the things that I often would, let me put it in past tense, get offended about was while I was driving, while I'm driving. Now, my driving may offend you. The way I drive may offend you because when I get in the car, I'm going somewhere. My wife doesn't. She just meanders around. I'm going somewhere when I get in the car. She's over there hitting the brake. I, I noticed the other, night, other day I was driving Randy Davenport and he's hitting the brake over there. There's no brake on that side, Randy. I've got the brake on my side. And then some people may be, I may be offended how you drive. One of the places I get the most riled up in my driving is when I go down a very busy street, like like 290 coming up here, perhaps past Walmart and all the way up to Brody. And there's some parking lot people that want to get in there sometime. You know what I'm saying? And they're inching out, inching out, and they're wanting to come in. And I've been in that parking lot before, and I've been inching out. And, you know, in my sweet pastor wave, I just wave at people, you know, anybody, anybody. Anybody, anybody, and boom, anybody, boom, anybody, boom, anybody, boom, anybody, boom. (laughs) Kind of works on you. And then I've been on the other side. I've been on the other side. 
uh, I've been on that side that's come in there and in my good Samaritan way and my pastoral honesty and integrity and the incredible, generous, benevolent follower of Christ that I am. I have allowed people to come in to my space and get in front of me. But if I ever let you in, listen to me. Listen to me right now. I drive a black car and a red T-Bird. If I ever let you in, there's two things I'm going to request of you. Two things, or I'm going to be sitting on that horn. One is if I let you in, move quickly. Amen? Get your hide on in there. Come on. Because there's nothing worse than me letting you in, and you get through the green light... And I have the red light. And the second thing that I expect is very simple and a humble acknowledgement of the favor that I have given you. All I'm asking is just tilt your head slightly down, raise your hand up, and just say thanks. Thanks. You're an awesome man. You're a man. You rock. You rule. I would be there till next Tuesday if you hadn't come into my life. And just give me a simple thank you wave. That's all. What drives me crazy, though, is how I'll often stop and let somebody in and they act like they did me a favor <laughs> by letting them in. And what I want to do is get their tag number and call one of my APD guys <laughs> and say, run this tag. And see if there's any criminal offenses in their life. Because I would like to make a citizen's arrest. Because I let them in and they didn't even look at me. Hey, if somebody lets you in, at least say, thank you, hook them, gig them, do something. Allow the person behind you to know that you're thankful. Come on, let's just show a little bit of thanks sometime in what we're doing in our life. Any of you relate to that? few of you can. The rest of you holy people just sit there and polish your halo a little bit. We'll be all right. We'll be all right. I'm talking to real people here today that deal with stuff like that. And I don't know what it would be for you, but maybe somebody's kind of short with you in their tone of voice and you look at them and say, well, who do you think you are talking to me like that? Cause I am a real me and you're talking to me like that. Or maybe they're really slow to respond to you. Maybe you've texted them and maybe you've texted them four hours ago. And you're BFFs. And you hadn't heard anything back. And you're saying, what do they think they are? What do they have in their life that's so important that they couldn't send back a smiley face and let me know that they at least received my text? That's one of the things I do. It's the easiest text in the world. I can do that going down the road and not have a wreck. I hit the smiley face, boom, 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 three times. Boom, boom, boom. That means I got it. I'm here. But it also means I'm driving. And I'm going to be in the pulpit on Sunday, so I'm not going to wreck texting you. Or they do something that's not really great, and they don't say, hey, I'm sorry for this. Or you do something for them, and there's no real acknowledgement, no handwritten thank you note, no thank you text. Nobody saying, hey, you're awesome. Thank you. You, Well, I did it for them, and they didn't do anything for me, so you can get offended. Maybe they cut you off in traffic. As little road rage goes on, what's even worse when they cut you off in traffic, they got a fish on the back of their car. 
That's why I don't put a fish on the back of my car. Because I might cut you off in traffic one of these days. I've been recognized doing that. A person come to the door not long ago said, Pastor, I think that's you the other day. Cut me off. I said, it would never be me. I would never do that. Did I put my blinker on? No. I always put my blinker on before I cut you off. So it wasn't me. Or can we believe? Or, or, or we, we look at somebody and say, can you believe the way she dresses? My God. Look at that. I'm so offended. She's so proud of what she has. She's so in the whole world what she has. And we get offended. We get easily offended. So in the church world, it's amazing how easily Christians are offended. I mean, it's like, oh, they did that, and they're, they use that version of the Bible. They don't use the old King James, and they use the NIV. We used to have a guy come to church here. Used to have a guy come to church here that walked up to me every service and said, why did you use NIV? Why did you use a New Living Translation? Why didn't you use a King James? There's only one Bible, and it's a Thompson chain, and it's a King James version, and that's the only Bible that's right. I said, sir, are you a little offended? He said, I'm very aggravated. I love this church. I love your preaching, but I can't stand the fact you don't use the King James Version and a Thompson Chain reference Bible. So I'll never, I'll never forget one time I went to the pulpit and I used King James Version. Thompson Chain reference. He didn't like the sermon that day, so you can't help some people. I'm talking about being offended. The reason we're easily offended is because we're living out of our egos. And our very insecure egos that want to be right and want to win. But for us to be right, someone else has to be wrong. And for us to win, somebody else has to lose. And so, our egos not only are easily offended, but some of them actually look to be offended. We're going to find things wrong everywhere we go. In fact, there are people in churches that form close relationships. And their common basis is that they're offended over the same thing. That's what, we're the offended club. I know it's, you're laughing, but I'm trying to keep you laughing because I don't want you to get offended at me. <laughs> we're the offended club. We talk about everybody because we get offended at everything that happens in church that we're not a part of. We're offended. So we get together. We talk about it. What does the scripture say about this very common and sad situation in our society today? Proverbs 19, 11. This is powerful. A man's wisdom gives him patience. Say a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Everybody says, to my glory. Not to his glory, but to my glory. To overlook an offense. Now, to overlook something doesn't mean to pretend it didn't happen, but it means to, it's a form of forgiveness. You overlook it to a point where you forgive it before it ever gets spreading and, and sinking into your spirit and causing bitterness to come up in your life. In fact, the two Hebrew words that are translated in the one English word overlook, they literally mean to overlook and they mean to pass over an offense. So in our glory to pass over an offense, to catch some spiritual altitude and to say, you know, I could stay down there lower and be offended and get upset and cause a problem and let this weigh me down, but instead I'm going to catch some altitude. I'm rising above it for it's to my glory to rise over and to pass over this offense. I was on an airplane not long ago. I really, this really happened to me. I was on an airplane and I began to rise up and I got to looking down and everything got to looking so small and I thought, God, all the problems that are on this earth and that I've been going through, they look so small from where you see it. And God even looks at it from a distance further than what I see it. It's time for some of us, instead of allowing ourselves to be offended in life, it's time for us to catch some altitude in our life. 
and to get above the things that want to weigh us down and above the things that want to drag us down and above the things that want to hinder us and say, I'm not going to be offended. I'm going to lay my offense down. Say amen to that. I got some important things to do. I got some important places to go, and I'm not going to be weighed down by the things that offense will weigh me down to. So I'm going to rise up over it. Say, I'm going to get above it. Say, I'm going to get above it. I'm not going to be weighed down by it because we're living out of our egos instead of living out of the grace of God that God extends to us. Romans 12 and 3 says this, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Everybody say, Lord, don't let me think of myself more highly than I ought. Anybody been given grace in this house? You know who wrote that? Paul wrote that. Paul was a persecutor of Christians. Paul killed people. But one day God gave him grace. And the people gave him grace. Thank God for Barnabases that showed people that Paul was a changed man. But do you believe that God gave him grace? You believe that people gave him grace? He killed Christians. Do other, did other Christians extend grace to Paul? Yes. Did God extend grace to Paul? Yes. Has anybody in this house been extended the grace of God? Has any person in this house extended the grace of God? Is there a pastor every Sunday that extends the grace of God? Are there staff pastors that extend the grace of God? Do you feel the grace of God when the singing is going on? Do you feel God's grace being extended? Do you understand you're not being judged in this house? You're being accepted in this house. It doesn't matter where you come from. It matters where you're headed when you leave here. Amen. Amen. Don't let it be about your ego, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. For the grace that God has given me, I will not think more highly of myself than I ought. And when I don't, I will not be easily offended. Here's refrigerator material. Write this down. Because of Christ's grace to me, I will give others the benefit of the doubt. Say amen to that. Because I've been forgiven of so much, I'm going to think the best about others. Ephesians 4 and 2, look on the screen. Always be humble. Always be gentle. Be patient with each other. Make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Always be humble. Say be humble. Always be gentle. Be patient with one another. Making allowances for each other and each other's faults because of your love. You know what we do? We often judge others by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. That's the statement of the night right there. We judge others by their actions. We judge ourselves by our intention. Well, look what they did. But when it comes to us, well, I intended to. If we're going to judge ourselves by our intentions, we need to judge others by their intentions also. We need to look past the fact that actions sometimes are not 
representative of what a person truly is. Sometimes knee-jerk things happen in life and people make mistakes in life. But you've got to look at the intent and not at the sin and the problem many times. And that's what we want everybody to look at us that way. But we need to start sharing our view with others in the same intent. Say amen to that. Amen. Just like the time I was making fun of people and getting aggravated at people driving on the right side of the road and in the grass. And I said, where are they going in such a hurry? And I judged them. It could have been a doctor going to a hospital to save somebody's mother. It could have been a preacher late for a wedding. Dear Lord, you don't need to be late for those. It could be some EMS person going to try to catch an ambulance and be a part of somebody saving somebody's life. I don't know what this is, but it just bugged me <laughs> coming about on the ground. And one day I was late. And I went by on the grass. And people honking at me. And I said, you don't know who I am. I'm the pastor of that church over there and I got to get there right now. I'm late, I'm running late, I've got an appointment, I've got to get there. But I saw myself in my intentions. I judged others by their action. Oh, I'm getting down to where the rubber meets the road right now. Let me tell you something. I read about four men on a train one time on their way to Pittsburgh from New York. They're on a train. And a waitress come to wait, there's in the dining car, and a waitress come to wait on them, and she was the worst waitress they'd ever had in their life. They were businessmen, and they were short with her. They were fussing with her. And they were telling one another, this, this lady's going to get zero tip today. We're not going to do anything. In fact, they were holding their mouth, holding their, biting their tongue so they wouldn't tell her off and curse her. They were so aggravated with her. And when she brought the ticket to them, when she brought the ticket to them, she began to weep and cry. I said, please forgive me for the inadequate service today. I'm usually one of the best waitresses. But you see, I buried my three-year-old daughter today. And I wanted to try to get somebody to cover this run for me. I'm a single mom, and I wanted somebody to cover this run for me, but I couldn't find anybody. Everybody was gone, and so I had to cover my own day for myself. And said, she said, I, I'm just out of my mind today. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to even think today. Please forgive me. Don't worry about a tip. Don't worry about blessing me. I don't need any of your money. I just want your prayers. <laughs> Judge that. Judge that. Sometimes we look at people and we say, oh, God, oh, God, their actions are getting on my nerves. But you want people to look at you and say, wow, his intentions are incredible. Don't judge people by their actions and expect people to judge you by your intention. Maybe people are running, cutting you off in traffic. It's not about you. They may just made a bad decision, turned on the rolling rogue, and they're trying to get back into their regular route. Okay. Judge them. Wives, I know the kids are next door. Maybe that PMS. It's not about you unless you ask them. And then it is all about you. Here's the 11th commandment, okay? Here's the 11th commandment. Thou shalt not ever say, is it that time of the month? 
And for all you ladies, if it's that time of the month, it's to your glory to overlook your pastor's offense tonight. Fly over it. Get some victory. Just keep flying. Because the grace that's been given to you will give people the benefit of the doubt in your life. As a follower of Christ, here's what I want. Put it on the screen. I want to have thick skin and a soft heart. Not thin skin and a hard heart. I want to have thick skin and a soft heart. So often, what we have is thin skin and a hard heart. I learned this in seminary. I learned this in college. I really did. Hurt people hurt people. And sometimes we don't realize that we are dealing with people who have been wounded in life. And they come to the house of the Lord and they're wounded. And we think we're going to judge their action. You can't judge their action. You've got to look at the intent. You don't realize what shoes they've been walking in today. Oh, I want to preach right now. You don't realize what battle they fought today. You don't realize what enemy came against them today. You don't realize what their business went under today. They might have went under a microscope. They might have went under some kind of audit. You don't know what's happened in their life today. When people walk in, you've been given the grace of God. Be humble and gentle and give people a break. And don't hold anything against somebody. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Clap your hands. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Be merciful. Be merciful. Just as your father is merciful. Don't judge and you'll not be judged. Don't condemn and you'll not be condemned. Forgive and you will be. Somebody shout it out, forgiven. Hurt people. Hurt people. The second thing I want to share with you today is this. Because of the grace God has given to me in Christ, I will not label others. Everybody say, Pastor, we're going to take off our labels. I can't stand labels. I hate labels. I detest labels. Somebody makes a mistake. Somebody commits a sin and we label them for the rest of their life. Can I tell you, there's thieves sitting in this building. There's liars sitting in this building. There's fornicators in this building. And yet when Jesus died for us, he don't call us that anymore. He doesn't call us that anymore. He calls us sons. He calls us daughters. He calls us redeemed. He calls us forgiven. Amen. 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 I've heard people say, well, he's nothing but a jerk. She's, you know what? I don't want to say it in church, but she's a gossip. She gossips. (laughs) And we put a label on them. He's this. He's a control freak. She's a maniac. We label people permanently over a temporary moment of time. Be merciful. Just as your father is. Don't judge. You won't be judged. Don't condemn. You won't be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Let me, let me, let me tell you about something that happened to me. I got labeled one time. Everybody in this church knows I'm not a cat lover. Never have been. 
I'm a dog man, okay? And I pastor as, I'm a lap dog as a pastor. You ask me to come eat biscuits, I'm going to be there. I love Jim's biscuits on Friday morning. Some of you guys would show up, you'd get a free biscuit. I buy on Friday morning at Jim's. I ain't telling you. God. Too many, too many takers right now. But I was 40 years old. I was 40 years old and went and preached at a place. 40, I was pastor of this church and went and preached at a place in North Texas. And a woman walked up to me and she said, I've been, I've been holding something in my heart against you for a long time. I said, what? She said, I remember when you were in seminary, when you was in Bible college, you used to throw cats in the dryer in the washeteria at the college. I said, what? This is a true story. I can't make this kind of stuff up. She said, you used to throw cats. I remember you were a cat thrower. You hated cats, didn't you? I said, oh, ma'am, I've always, I I don't like cats. I agree with that. But ma'am, there's two things I want to tell you. Because I don't like them, I don't pick them up. And number two, I had a lady back home that I took my clothes home to on the weekend when I ran out of clean clothes, I'd go back and that lady would wash. I never went to the washeteria in my life. She said, you mean to tell me it wasn't you? I said, no. She said, I've always called you the cat-hating preacher. She labeled me. She labeled me. And I wanted to look at her and I, I wanted to say, I can label you right now. You're a tongue-wagging gossip. But I didn't. I was sweet. I was humble. Because I didn't want to condemn because I hadn't been condemned. I wanted to forgive because I've been forgiven. And I said, ma'am, please accept me into your church, into your world. She said, from this day forward, you'll be forgiven. You're no longer labeled a cat-hating preacher. Wow. It was a 20-year run in her heart. And sometimes we have that in our spirits. Come on. We label people. We put people. Sometimes we label our spouses. Sometimes we label our wives, we label our husbands, you know, she's this and he's this. And we label them and we never let them get out of that label. We never let them walk away from that label. Somebody needs to get up and jerk the labels off of us tonight and say in the name of the Lord, I'm laying down my right to be offended. I'm laying down my right to label everybody that I don't like in my life and I'm gonna be humble. Hey, we've been forgiven. We've been forgiven by the power of Almighty God. And the third thing, and I close. Hey, Cupcakes is waiting on you. I got seven minutes. Because of grace, I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt. Because of grace, I won't label people. And because of grace, I will forgive as I've been forgiven. Boy, this is tough right here. Colossians 3 and 13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Look around. Just kind of go like this. Just be, a, just be a helicopter. Say, I forgive everybody. Come on. Just let you. Just, and, then, and then the rest of you say, thank you. Because we don't want them to get offended because we don't say thanks. I forgive everybody. 
I forgive my husband. I forgive my kids. I forgive my job. I forgive everybody. I forgive. I'm going to walk in forgiveness. I'm going to walk in forgiveness. Anybody here been forgiven? You know, I get it. Pastor, I can forgive somebody that cuts me off in traffic. I can forgive someone who doesn't say thank you. I can overlook that. I was slapped one night on a basketball court, and that guy became my best friend. I threw the ball and hit him in the face, but we became best friends. That was a long time ago. But when something real big happens in my life, when something massive comes into my life, I just don't know if I've got the ability to forgive. I mean, I can overlook small things, but the big things. I'm justified in being angry. I'm justified in carrying bitterness, Pastor. You can't do that. Let me talk to you. God understands when I want revenge for the big things, right? I don't have to forgive those. There's no way you're telling me that, are you, Pastor? Matthew 6 says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, Jesus said, Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men for their sins, read it, Your Father will not forgive you your sins really some of you know my story some of you don't I'm going to make it very quick very brief I buried a nine month old baby today 3.30 I'm a little melancholy tonight I'm not as energetic as I usually am she was a doll and it took me back to 1981 when I buried a wife 26 years old and a boy 4 years old you want to see a handsome boy come to my office his picture's on my desk I'll carry it there until the day I die I lost my family to a drunk driver and my daughter six years old lived that was 1981 I came to pastor this church in 1990 the man that killed my wife and my boy did not go to prison he was given a probated sentence he didn't go and so My attorney never wanted me to know the name of that man for fear that I might get out of the ministry and become a vigilante. Whatever. So I never knew his name. 1998, 17 years later, I'm praying in this auditorium and I'm asking God to give us growth and to let us grow and let us have the ability to reach more people. And God said, do you have a forgiving heart? And I said, God, I think I do. I believe I do. And he said, do you really have a forgiving heart? And I said, well, God, you know, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. What I'm talking about may not match up, but I think I do. And he said, would you be able to forgive the man who killed your wife and boy and be able to pastor him? Could you pastor the man that killed your wife and boy? If I have saved him, could you pastor him? And I said, God, I, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> That's a toughie. Three days later man came to my door that I never knew, never seen in my life, knocked on the door. His name was Simon. Pastor here, secretary let him in. He came in. He never sat down. He knelt in front of my desk. And he said, he was weeping and crying. He said, Pastor, I've been in prison for the last 17 years. He said, "I, I did something very horrible in Dallas in 1981 that affected your family. And he said, I was sent to prison because I broke my probation not once, not twice, not three times, but four times. 
And the last time I was in prison, I found Jesus. And he said, I wanted to come find you and ask you for forgiveness. And all the forces of my energy said, why don't you ask him what that situation that he did to your family was? But I knew, I knew, I knew. He said, I I want to submit myself to your ministry and I want to submit myself to this church. Would you pastor my family? And I came around to where he was and I was crying. I, I broke my heart. I said, yeah, buddy, yeah, yeah. Bygones got to be bygones, man. Let's go. And he stayed here eight years from 98 till about 2006, and he moved back to Dallas. He was nothing but trouble. Not to me, but his life was just full of trouble. He couldn't get over it. He couldn't get over his past. He couldn't get over the, mem- <coughs> the memory of life. He couldn't get over the things that he had done. Perhaps that wasn't his only dastardly deed that he had accomplished or done. But I loved him. Had a man in the church then by the name of Charles Shagwa who pastored down in Longview, Texas, one of the sharpest men I ever pastored. And he was a conflict and resolution man. And I remember about once a week we'd have meetings upstairs and we'd have to bring resolution to his family because it was so mixed up. It was a job just to pastor him. Every day was another mission to pastor that man. The forgiveness was not nearly as difficult as the labor and the laborious time of trying to pastor him. But in that time, hear me folks in that time and I'm speaking without weeping tonight because it's, it's, it's in the past it's over it's done and God's been good but in that time our church grew 1200 people <laughs> pastor you you really that's really happened that happened happen as I'm standing here and I will tell you this I'll tell you this from the bottom of my heart that it was the greatest feeling in the world and the greatest relief I've ever felt in my life when I got around to where he was and knelt where he was kneeling and let my tears wet the desk that he was wetting with his tears and our tears mingled and our hearts united and he stood up and he hugged me and he said I will be the very best I can be as long as I stay service here's the joy of it folks when the grace of God has affected our lives touched our heart we don't have a right to be offended we gotta move on we gotta move on we have to move on some people are sitting here saying pastor I don't necessarily believe that story that's all right. you hadn't lived my life and it happened but I will tell you this God Almighty loves people that know how to say, it's okay. I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. There's times that I've had to be a forgiver. There's times I've had to ask for forgiveness. But if you can't forgive, don't ever expect to get forgiveness. It's imperative that we do this. Ephesians 4 and 32 says this, be kind and compassionate to one another forgiven each other just as in Christ God forgave you (laughs) so here's what I say here's my closing statement hurt people hurt people but forgiven people 
forgive people. work. I told that story sometime back and all the time the, the family was here I never mentioned it, never talked about it, never never talked about it. I think the staff might have knew a little bit about it but I never talked about it. But now that it's gone I'm going to publish it. I'm going to write about it. It's in my next book that I'm going to release but I'm going to tell you this. Forgiveness is a wonderful, wonderful thing. You and your wife, you and your husband are having problems. Forgive one another. Come on. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Don't label them. If they made a mistake, don't label that mistake in their life. Let them, let them live through that mistake. Let them come out shining because of your forgiveness in their life. Amen. Stand to our feet all over the building. Thank you for listening to the Christian Life Austin podcast. For more information, please visit clcaustin.com.